0: Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? I said, isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Amen. I'm so glad that the presence of the Lord is here. His word tells us that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst, and I believe he is here this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. I just have a few announcements for you this morning. I really do encourage you, if you're on social media, please join us on our Facebook and Instagram. We have updates uh, throughout the week there and reminders and all of our announcements can be found on there. And also for more information just about the church in general, we have a website, legacychurchrome.org. You're always welcome to get on there and check us out. Uh, Tonight, we are having a dream team meeting if you serve in any area of ministry in this house or you'd like to we'd love for you to be here tonight at five o'clock some time of uh training and we're going to feed all our volunteers and show you some appreciation tonight so you are here for that and also on july 15th through the 17th we're having our power up vacation bible school we're going to have not only our own kids but kids from the community are going to be here and we need some support we need some volunteers to help us out that week if you would like to volunteer at our uh, power up vacation bible school july 15th through 17th you can go online at our website click there and you can um you can register to be a volunteer and that would be greatly appreciated. And also Kona Ice was supposed to be here this morning. They called yesterday and due to the storms, they had to they wanted to reschedule. Uh, they didn't want anyone out in their uh, truck, if it was lightning, like it was Casted. So um, they will be here with us at a later date. I'll let you know what that is going to be. And if you're here for the first time today, or maybe you've been here a while and you've never filled out a Connect card, I'd love for you just to take a moment right in front of you under the chair. You can uh, find a card that looks like this. Fill it out, and right after service, we love to meet you in our foyer. We've got a cool mug for you, and uh, we love to meet you right after service in the loft and give you that special gift and just say thank you for worshiping with us. And if you'd like to give, whether it is a tithe, or it's an offering, or a seed that you would like to sow. We'd love for you to do that, sowing into the seed, uh, to the mission and the vision of this house. You can do that right after service. Our ushers will be standing at the door. You can use an envelope that is in the basket under you, or you can give online LegacyChurchRome.org. God is good, amen? Amen. God is good. Who's ready for the word this morning? I said, who's ready for the word this morning? Amen. If you would, if you would open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. Actually, we'll be beginning in Acts chapter 1 today. Acts chapter 1. We'll be there in just a moment, but today is a special day. It's a uh, uh, Pentecost Sunday, and it's a time when we just take a moment to reflect. And I'm going to talk about the history of it and the way it falls on the calendar and what it means uh, for us today. And it's um, I, I love I love looking over the Jewish calendar and reading about their feast and about their traditions because how and how we are different yet they line up with our calendars in the in the. Um, special moments throughout scripture that Jesus Christ did some of those things and how they align uh, with these feasts. But I'll, um, this morning is such a special day because it's Pentecost Sunday and it's it's really the birthday of the church because as soon as the Holy Spirit descended down from heaven and fell to the earth, thousands were added that day as uh, as those descendants and everyone who was in the upper room went out and reached a harvest that was not possible until the Holy Spirit had come. So it's really the birth of the church. So you will see some people talking about today is the church's birthday, and and it it is. But it's also a time when we take a moment and we reflect on uh, the, the descending and the gift of the Holy Spirit and what it means for us today. And today, in these next few weeks, I'm not sure if it's two or three weeks or however long that may be, but we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want to invite you to be here each and every Sunday. And uh, I believe it's going to be a great moment and empower you through the word. And um, without the Holy Spirit today, it is important that you understand that without the Holy Spirit, there would not be a sufficient expression of God on earth today. The expressions of God that we are seeing today throughout the Holy Spirit. through the Holy Spirit, that, that we are seeing uh, in stories that we that we hear reports of, the testimonies, the miracles. It's all work of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts, which we will be discussing later today or in the next coming weeks, we we, we see a ceremonious changing of the guard, if you will, as in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes, comes to earth and they are in the upper room and while they are in the upper room, the word says that there was the sound of a rushing, mighty wind. The sound of the wind came upon them. And when the sound of the wind came upon them, it said not only was it such a mighty, rushing, almost violent wind that filled the earth, but also during that time, it says that there was like cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each of the people who were in that room that day. And as the wind was blowing and as the fire like was falling, down from heaven. The scripture says that they began to speak in other tongues as a spirit gave them the utterance. And a lot of people are somewhat freaked out by that. But isn't it amazing how we, especially uh, us Christians in the United States, we are not freaked out by, uh, by, 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 by weird mystical things of earth. Some of the most high-selling uh, uh, movies uh, of our time are scary movies where we watch as as objects fly across the room and we're thrilled by it and we'll talk about it and we'll take pictures of it. But all of a sudden we get freaked out because the spirit is moving and someone starts to speak in tongues. So we're going to speak, we're going I'm going to be talking about all those things in the next few weeks. But today I'm just going to teach with you and uh, teach you some history this morning and just lay some foundations because in that moment in the upper room. It was like a changing of the guard, and if you have ever been to Arlington National Cemetery, and if you've ever had the honor and the privilege to view the changing of the guard at the National Cemetery, it is an elaborate Ritual. It is very methodical. Every step is numbered. Every direction that the soldiers turned is planned. Everything has meaning. Everything has purpose. It's a beautiful moment. And in in, in that changing of the guard, how everything is methodical and everything is planned. Everything is timed. It is the same as we see here as the Holy Spirit is begins his reign on earth. It was truly a changing of the guard moment because from Genesis to Malachi throughout the Old Testament the father the father God the father he is reigning as the general over the earth you yes you will hear uh, you will hear predictions about the son and you will see the wind or the ruach blowing the breath of God the wind of God blowing the spirit of God blowing throughout the Old Testament but 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 the general overseer so to speak of that was the father God the father and then Matthew Mark Luke and John John, and the very beginning of Acts, as we will get to in just a moment, we see the Son, Jesus. We see his reign. So all of a sudden, God steps back. He sends his Son, and now Jesus, the Son of God, now he is reigning from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just a few verses in Acts. And then here we Come to Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, and we see the changing of the guard, so to speak, as the Holy Spirit begins to take reign with an inaugural service that is indescribable. And there has never been an inaugural service moment like it before or ever since. It doesn't matter who will be president, it doesn't matter how many people stand in the National Mall as the president is sworn in. There will never be an inaugural service like how. Happened in that upper room where the where the, where the wind filled that place and the fire fell down from heaven and as people of different nationalities they began to speak in other tongues that were not they were not even their own tongue and people in the streets were hearing this hearing this and as they were hearing it it was coming out in their own language it was a miracle of the time it was an act of the Spirit and Pentecost truly is and marks a changing of the guard where the whole Holy Spirit is now reigning over the earth. And I want you to get this in your notes, and I, I really want you to follow me here, because this is some history in the making here. To truly understand The meaning and the purpose of Pentecost, you must understand that Pentecost really did not start in the upper room, but Pentecost started hundreds of years before because Pentecost was actually a feast. Pentecost started as a feast. There are seven feasts, and I really encourage you to take a moment and study those. I may even do a sermon series about the seven feasts in the Jewish calendar, and the Feast of Pentecost just happens to be one of the those feasts And all throughout the Old Testament, the Old Testament is foreshadowing of the New Testament. All of these festivals are, are, are significant to the time, but the people really did, not, really did not even understand it in the moment that all of these festivals were actually foreshadowing or foretelling of what was going to happen when Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came to earth. So here the Old Testament is foreshadowing of the New Testament. Christ fulfilled the law, follow me closely, Christ fulfilled the law therefore we don't take we we don't follow all of those rituals of the law. Let's take about uh, uh, the feast. Let's talk about Passover for a moment. Passover was they they would slaughter a lamb and they would take the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorpost so the angel would not take their child would not take their child from them but now we do not have to do that because why? Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled Fulfilled that law for us, although we do not we do not uh, follow those laws or a lot of those rituals, we still hold tight to the principles which those things hap- which those things meant back then, and what it means for us today. Because the feast of Passover, which was the first feast that they celebrate, this brings. Uh, it, it It is symbolic of God showing grace and mercy and love when he extended his arm to his people by redeeming them and delivering them from Pharaoh. So now we don't have to follow those rituals, but to us the significance of Passover is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our Passover lamb, amen? I said God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our Passover lamb. So now we don't have to put the blood around our door because the blood is upon our heart. That is the significance of it. Isn't that, isn't that a reason to praise the Lord this morning? The significance of it Now the next feast on the Jewish calendar is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This occurs the day after Passover. And the Unleavened Bread is symbolic of the body of Christ. As we keep this principle of this feast, that's why we do communion still today. This feast occurs on the day when we remember Christ's body being crucified for us or what we call Good Friday. So all of these feasts are lining up. And the day that Christ was actually crucified fell directly on the day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. You see how Christ is using the calendar to fulfill his law. And then the next feast is the Feast of First Fruits. This is such an important uh, festival in the moment of the Jewish customs. Because this uh, feast always occurs on the Sunday after the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Sunday after he was crucified. Uh, 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 During this feast, they would bring their first fruits, hence the name of their crops. They would bring their barley and they would wrap them up and they would offer it as an offering unto him. And this was a very bold move because it took such great faith. This, they would actually bring a tent of their harvest to them. This is when you start to hear about tithes and offering. They would give a tenth to them because what it was, it was that this principle of tithing and this principle of, of offering up first fruits was not only a sign of their trust of faith, but it was also, they viewed it as a moment of activation for their future harvest. So it was so important. It was a moment of activation and it was a sign to their future harvest. Get ready, fields. It's going to be a great year because we're giving God our first fruit. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ also occurred on the very day of the Feast of First Fruits. So remember these principles that, 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 that you're hearing about. You're starting to make these connections between the festivals and what we celebrate as Christians because all of a sudden on the Feast of First Fruits, Jesus Christ came bursting forth from the grave and he became the only fruit that we will ever need. Amen? He became the Fruit that we need, and it's also important to note here that this is the last feast that Jesus witnessed before his, uh, b- before he ascended. And all of a sudden, we well, God is up in heaven. Jesus Christ is about to ascend uh, unto back into heaven. So now it's like. Who is on earth with us? What do we do? But keeping with his tradition and his synchronization of feasts, the answer to this mystery of what's next, Jesus, even the disciples was like, So what's. What's up, Jesus? Are you leaving us here all alone? Like, what What you doing, bro? What's going on? But all of a sudden, he, Jesus, uh, God, keeps his tradition of synchronization of the feast. And the answer to this mystery of what is next would be revealed during the next feast, which is the feast of of Pentecost, which is the Feast of Pentecost. All of a sudden, 50 days after, after the Feast of the First Fruits comes the Feast of Pentecost. Penta, 50. 50 days after, 50 days after the resurrection came the power of the Holy Spirit to the earth. It was right on time with God's calendar. So now we don't have to keep all of those things. We still give, and we still give our First Fruits, but now we understand that the real purpose of that is celebrating the resurrection. And now 50 days after that is the time of Pentecost. This this feast was happening 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. Pentecost season was all about the harvest. It was all about the harvest. When you look up the festival or the Feast of Pentecost, it will talk about it was a celebration of the harvest because it was 50 days after they offered their first fruit or about seven weeks. Now their crops have matured. And now they are, now where they were taking their first fruits, now they're bringing even greater harvest because they are celebrating God for their great abundance of harvest that he had given them uh, throughout those seven weeks, throughout those 50 days. Those who are in Christ, we are often compared, follow me here, we are often compared to wheat throughout the scripture and when a farmer would look over his fields he could tell the difference between the wheat and the tares or the wheat and the weeds when it came time for a harvest the farmers could tell just how successful uh, his his crop of wheat was going to be long before the uh, long before they ever got their sickles out long before a, a combine or a tractor or or instruments they would use no matter what it was that they didn't even have to walk out to the fields. Often they would get up on a hilltop and they would look out over their crops. And if it was white with harvest, they say, It's gonna be great. And it was and another way that they could tell how great the harvest was going to be is the 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 the, the amount of of, of of items sticking up in the air. The the, the less the amount of of, of, of of stalks that were standing up, it meant greater the harvest. Now to us, we would think about Well, that sounds kind of awkward because we want our crops to be standing up, but you don't understand. The weeds were standing so tall during the harvest time. And the reason the wheat was not because the wheat was so heavy that the wheat was bent over in the fields because the head of the wheat, because there was so much kernel that was waiting to be harvested. The wheat had no option but to bend over. The, The wheat had no option but to bow low. Pentecost is all about the harvest and if we and we are to be like the wheat do you understand the significance with us and the wheat here that being painted before us if we are in a season of Pentecost which is all about the harvest we are to be like the wheat we are to live our life humbled down we are to live our life bent over in the fields and why are we bent over because we've been bending low or bending over it is it is it is a position of prayer it is not only a position of prayer but we are to be like wheat, it is also a position of worship. God says, if you are ready for harvest, if you are ready for a true Pentecost moment, you must live your life like the wheat. Bend down low, always always engaging in prayer, always engaging in worship. God is ready for a church. Can I hear somebody this morning? God is ready for a church that looks like the harvest. We are bent over so heavy with the, with the, with the blessings of God that we have no posture except not to bend over in prayer, except not, to, except not to bend over in worship. That is what Pentecost is all about, being like the wheat in the field taking our positions bent over in worship bent over in prayer so what what is the significance of this posture what does it have to do with the harvest, our position of the church is will, will, will reflect our harvest. I said the position that you are in as a church, it, 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 it reflects and it, it demands the, the, the position of the harvest. Because the word says in John 12, 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The, the, the original text is eon hypsotho. It says if I be exalted, I will draw all men unto me. So if you are ready for a Pentecost moment for your city, for your life, for your church, you must live like the wheat, constantly lifting him up. Why? Because if we stay bent over in humility and we stay bent over in prayer and we are always taking a position of worship, the word says that if we will lift him up with our worship, he will draw all the harvest unto us. Then you know what that will be? That will be a moment of Pentecost because it's all about the harvest do you understand why we sing five songs why because we are lifting him up why because we want all men to be coming to him why are we lifting him up because the scripture says that when a bunch of wheat get together that's so ready for the harvest and they begin to worship that he will create Pentecost for them isn't that great Are you seeing the imagery here between between the feast and the festivals and the wheat? Pentecost, it was a celebration. Of the harvest, and you need to understand that there is a harvest that is waiting for your prayers, there is a harvest that is waiting for your worship. They are waiting for you to cry out because as we lift him up, he will begin to draw people unto him. Open your Bibles with me quickly. We're getting to our text, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, now he is spending time with his disciples. These are his last words, his last moment on earth. And in Acts chapter one, let's begin in verse three. It says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men, his disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. He was preparing them for the 50th day, which was Pentecost. So he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Get this, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Listen, these words are in red in my my, uh, book. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. As I was reading this, I felt this was a word for someone today in verse 4. Excuse me, yes, verse 4. He says, do not leave this place. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that I have promised you. I believe this is a word for someone in this house today because God has given you a promise and he is saying, do not leave that place until you have seen him. Do not leave your knees until you have seen him. Do not leave your worship until you have seen him. I have given you a vision. I have given you a dream. Do not leave this place of the promise until you have seen it in your life. Do not leave it. No matter what the chaos is going around you, do not leave it until you see it. Don't it leave it until you see it. Look at your neighbor and say, don't leave it until you see it. Don't leave it until you see it. He says, because guess what? I have a gift for you. You may have been baptized with water, but now I'm taking you to the next step in this process and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse six, it says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Lord Jesus, what is happening? What is going, what's going on here? What are you doing next? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost or the ends of the earth. He says, you shall receive power POWER. And, and, and why? Because he says, why? Because I need you to be my witnesses. Why? You are receiving power, not so you can be on a stage, not so you can receive some rewards. He said, you are receiving power because you need to be my witnesses. And why do I need you to be my witnesses? He says, because it's time for a Pentecost. It is time for the harvest. He said, I need you to be filled with the Spirit for the gifts, for all of those things, not so you can have a mic, not so you can have a cool social media following, but I am giving you the spirit because there is a harvest waiting for you. You've got to understand this, and I want you to get this in your notes. We are not filled with the Spirit for our enjoyment. We are filled for our deployment. We are not filled with the Spirit for our enjoyment. We're not filled so we can dance or so we can speak in tongues more than anyone else. We're not doing it for a show. All of those things are great and there's nothing wrong with those things. All of those things are practiced in this house. But guess what? You are not filled for those things. You are filled so you could be deployed. He said, I need you as a witness. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to empower you so you can be my witnesses why? because the harvest is great The harvest is great. And after he said this in verse 9, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And listen, verse 12, this is important. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. We'll talk about Mount of Olives within a few weeks. A Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the upper room. Somebody say upper room they went to the upper room where they were staying. Those present with Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Matthew, James, uh, Simon, uh, and Judas, son of James, they all joined together constantly in prayer as the wheat bent over. They were constantly in prayer along with the uh, the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his Brothers, the upper room, the upper room has great significance, and it has great significance in what it means for you today in your season of Pentecost and your season of reaching a harvest. The upper room, I want you to understand this morning that there are things that you can't get in lower rooms of life, but you have to excuse yourself sometimes from lower rooms so you can get into an upper room so you can reach your high calling of Jesus Christ. There are too many times we hang out in lower rooms. I feel like a country singer these last couple of weeks. Last week, I was singing Digging Up Bones, and while I was writing this, I was thinking about I've got friends in low places. I know some of you probably do some karaoke in, and you've probably sung that song a time or two. And sometimes it's good to have friends in low places. But the issue is when we start becoming like those friends in low places, so many times God wants us to reach a harvest. And it's so hard to reach a harvest when we have a lifestyle of a lower room situation. There are things in your life that you cannot get in lower rooms, but God is calling you to higher places so you can reach a higher and greater uh, harvest like never before. The people that you allow in the room with you are defining the room that you are in. Mm. The people that you allow, that, that you invite, that you allow to speak into your life. The people that you read their text when you shouldn't be. The people that you stalking on Facebook that get under your skin. Those people that you have invited into your life, that you allow in the room with you, are defining the room. They will define if it's an upper room or a lower room. Hmm. They will either limit you or expand you. Hmm. If the people in the room with you are not inspiring you, get to an upper room. If the people in the room are not motivating you, get to an upper room. If the people in the room are gossiping more than they are praying, get to an upper room. If the people in the room are complaining more than they are worshiping, get yourself to an upper room. And once you get there, you might as well just go ahead and close the door. Because a lot of times people in the lower room cannot understand what God is doing with you in the upper rooms. Yeah, I've been there. You look like a fool sometimes, but just close the door and let God do his work through you. There are people in lower rooms that will hinder you from gaining what you need. You need an upper room experience. And in these rooms, you will find two different types of people. There are people that will drain the anointing from you, and there are others that will help draw it out of you. Mm. Get to an upper room. There will be times, listen, there will be times when you think that you are in an upper room. Yeah, there'll be times when you think that you are in an upper room, but once you start to evaluate who is in the room, you will find out that you are actually in a lower room. These are some people that you need in your room to get you to an upper room experience. You need people who are expectant. You need people who are expecting. Expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. You need in your upper room. You need people who know how to pray. In your upper room, you need people that will stretch your faith. In your your upper room, you need people that understand the process and the timing of God. In your upper room, you need somebody who is full of the Holy Ghost in your corner who can pray like nobody's business. You need an upper room experience in your life. People in the upper room see things. This isn't going to go well with some of you. So get your boots on. People in the upper room, they have a greater vision. They have they can see things that people in lower places cannot see. Mm. People in upper rooms from a higher elevation, they see the big picture. In other words, they they see things from a kingdom perspective. Mm. While people in lower quarters, in lower rooms, can only see things from their perspective. They see things on a flat perspective. If I'm standing here lower, right now I cannot see everyone's face. Uh, I have to bend. I have to move. I I have to shift myself. Why? Because I am standing on the flat ground. I'm in a lower place. But all of a sudden, as I begin to elevate, I have a big of things and people on the lower quarters they often in lower rooms they only see things from their perspective they things that and it's so crazy because I've been in ministry for many years and so many people live in lower rooms and, and all of a sudden the only things that they see are the things that have really no value hmm. <clears throat> they stay down here and it's like they can only see down here Well, I don't like the carpet. I know none of you have ever said that. I don't like the chairs. I don't know why that pastor's got that ladder up there he's always got these visual aids he's got somebody pouring water in what does he think why does he got these visual aids does he think we're a bunch of kids or something I don't understand it I don't understand why they had that wind blowing today that's so crazy that's so worldly I know it didn't sound like that in that upper room and you weren't there and all of a sudden they just keep seeing things like this and all of a sudden they just keep seeing oh I don't like this and I don't like that pastor he wears jeans and he don't never wear a tie. I don't know if I can stay there anymore. It's getting under my skin. And all of a sudden, all you're doing, you're staying in lower places and you aren't getting elevated to where God wants you to be. And all you can see are things on your level. Mm. Yeah. But the upper room people, people that are ready for the harvest, they come in here. They may have had a week where they felt like they had to crawl through hell to get here but when they come in here they have been in an upper room and they know what is capable in upper room experiences and I may look like I've been drunk through the dirt but when they come in the room, people with upper rooms, they just begin to worship. I've never heard the first song but I'm still going to worship. All I'm doing, I'm coming to declare war on the devil this morning. Why? Because I know the power that's in the upper room because I just want to be like we bent been over in prayer. I just wanted my posture to be one of worship. That's all I'm wanting God. People who have been in upper rooms they see different. They act different. Why? Because they know the power of God and they realize that everything they are doing is for Pentecost or for the harvest. Get this this morning. The ladder, okay? This is an old ladder. It's a wooden ladder. You ever see those videos of like why women live longer? I should have been on one of those videos. My mom is here and I probably shouldn't say it. But I had this ladder upstairs no one else was in this building. I thought, if I fall, it's over. This is how this is how stupid I was. I not only got on the ladder, I stood on the top, uh huh, of that by myself. I was touching the ceiling and I hung that those three balls up there by myself. Yeah, stupid. I'm just, I'm, I was up there just like this. <laughs> I had one hand on, and I was screwing them in. It was it, it was stupid. Yes. Now, this ladder is shaky, but anyone, anyone can come to the lower level. Anyone can walk through the door. I don't care what you look like. You've heard me preach it. Our our, our mission and our vision is that we want to reflect the kingdom of God to every generation and every tribe. I don't care what you look like. You can come into this house. I don't care what you smell like. You can come into this house. I don't care how many times you've been married. You can come into this house. I don't care who you've been with. You can come into this house. I don't care what you smoked last night. You can come into this house. I don't care if you stood on the corner last night. You can come into this house. Why do I feel so passionate about it? Because I know the power of Pentecost. And I know that there is something in here through the power of the word and through the power of the spirit that that can change lives. And that's why I can't say, I'm standing there, well, you don't look like this, so you got to get out of here. No, 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 no. I want you in here. Why? Because I know it is the only thing that will change your life. But there's always a but. There comes a moment When God starts calling you to greater things and when God starts calling you to greater things, greater harvest, you can't live like you used to live. You have got to change your life. You can't be going to those places. You can't be snorting that. You can't be shooting that up. God has a harvest for you. God has an upper room experience for you. And you can't get there doing some of the stuff that you are doing. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we decide that we want an upper room experience. And it's kind of scary sometimes. Because you've heard all these pastors speaking in tongues. And you've heard all these things. You've heard about the Spirit. And is it mystical? Is it a ghost? Can you see it? And you've heard all these things throughout your life. And you heard those Pentecostal churches. They handle snakes. That ain't going to happen. Uh-uh. No to the no, no. It ain't going to happen. You ain't going to worry about that. But all of a sudden, we let all these things that we've heard confuse us and scare us from going up the ladder. And all of a sudden, we're like, I'm going to do it. Okay. I've been here two weeks, been here three weeks. I want to step in. Here we go. So you start going to connect track and all your and you're up here and you're connecting and we're trying to help you find your purpose and we're trying to get you plugged in. You're like, this is good, this is good. And all of a sudden, you start having a desire for even greater things in your life. Ben, come hold this ladder for me over here. It was Ben's birthday yesterday. Give Ben a hand. And all of a sudden you go up and as you begin to get closer to where God wants you to be the harvest starts to become a little more clear and you can see just a little better you see a little more like God sees people mm. and up here now guess what now you're up here and you realize I can't keep going acting like I've been acting I can't keep going cursing like i've been cursing i can't keep hauling out those four-letter words every time somebody cuts me off i can't throw them this and throw them that every time something don't go my way on the road i know none of you would ever do that you can't do that all of a sudden you realize i can't go i can't keep getting upper i can't get to the upper room experience going to those clubs i can't keep with this person and doing this and doing with that person why because god has something greater for me and at some point you've got to realize i can't keep going further up until i release those things i can't keep smoking that i can't keep watching that type of movie movie i can't keep listening to those lyrics that the, 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 yeah the beat is good it makes you want to drop it and all this stuff but all of a sudden it starts implanting things in your spirit that all of a sudden you're thinking about things you shouldn't be thinking about. And all of a sudden, you realize, I've got to let those things go. You can tell this is shaking. All of a sudden, you keep going. You keep going. And now, guess what you do? You're serving. You're sowing. You're bringing in your first fruits. And now, you have gone through a process. And now you have found yourself in an upper room and it is the most peaceful place you have ever been in why because you are in the presence of the Lord all of a sudden you find yourself now I couldn't see your face while I was down there but now I can see every person's face in this one And all of a sudden, when you start living yourself, when you start living in upper rooms where the presence of God is, you start seeing every person as a harvest. That person, they're just not somebody who gets on my nerves, but they're actually a harvest. My child sitting over here, they're not just a drug addict. They're part of the harvest your lost sibling you start looking at them and you start talking to them different why because now you've been in the spirit and you've been in an upper room encounter and now you don't see them as an issue. You see them as a harvest. Oh, that person you work with, now they're a harvest. That child that you teach at school teacher, they get on your last nerve. They've got ADD, DDD, BBB. They got everything. They, they they've got meds. They should be on meds. You want to give them more meds. But guess what? Now you look at them and they will still push your buttons But now you look at them through the eyes of god and you see that they have a soul and they're part of the harvest and now when you get up here see a lot of people down there this is what this is this is why a lot of you will not get up here because when you're down there and you're looking all these things you're like i'm not ready to stop that I ain't giving up my drinks. I ain't giving up my parties. I ain't giving up my smokes. I ain't giving up my music. I ain't giving up that. I ain't giving up tithe. I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna serve. Why? Because all of a sudden you start look and you see it as every step, you start losing freedom. But what you don't understand is that when you get in the presence of God, the Word says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm. You will find, yes, go ahead and praise him. You will find a freedom to worship like you have never worshiped before. You will find a freedom to serve like you never have before. You will find all of a sudden when you start getting in an upper room, guess what is going to happen? You are going to start finding yourself. It is going to be easier for you to witness. It's going to be easier for you to invite people to church. It's going to be easier for you to start seeing them as a harvest because where the Spirit of the Lord is in upper rooms, there's freedom. And I look down And I've got somebody holding my ladder. You can't get up here by yourself. You need some help. You need a church who believes in you. You need a church that is full of the Spirit. You need a church that worships. You need a church that prays, because if you don't, you will never find yourself in upper room experiences. And it is so hard for you to get up here by yourself. That's why I said that you need to evaluate the people in the room with you. Because as I look down, you need somebody to hold your ladder for you. You need somebody who you trust. You need somebody that you know is praying for you. You know somebody who is seeking the presence of God. You need, you need somebody who you know is living right in that room on that ladder with you upper room can we just thank God for upper room if you've ever been in an upper room experience could you just can you just thank God thank God that I've been through the process and every step that you took every level that you go he said look down there you were saved right here you had you were baptized in water but now I'm about to fill you with the spirit because why because every step that you take is a greater harvest every step that you take is a greater harvest every step that you take is a greater harvest Can you just stand with me this morning? It's all about the heart. understand also. You say, I can't hear the voice of God. It's so confusing. I can't hear it. Let me tell you something. It's so hard to hear God. When your ears are in tune with everything that's going on down here, as you start to elevate yourself you will start hearing the sounds of heaven you will start hearing the voice from heaven you will start feeling the presence of God like never before what you've got to do is you've got to be like the wheat Pentecost is all about the harvest I'm gonna talk about the shouting and the dancing and the speaking in tongues, it's coming. But today I want you to understand that all of that is for the harvest. It's for the harvest. God is ready for a church that looks like the harvest. All different shades, all different sizes, all different backgrounds just bent over in prayer, just bent over in worship. I'm gonna close this today as I've laid this foundation for the next few weeks. I wanna ask you, will you just step into a moment and be like wheat? He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw Men, I will draw the drug dealer I will draw the prostitute I will draw this lifestyle and that lifestyle I will draw them all in and I will breathe upon them and I will cleanse them and they will start moving to greater locations they'll start moving to greater places if you say you know what I want to be a part of that i want to be a part of the pentecost i want to be a part of the people who have upper room experiences i want to be part of the people who are reaching the harvest they're going to sing and as they start to sing i want you just to step out